Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Absolute Game of Nerds with your non-geek, non-nerd hosts, JP and Rohan. Uh, today we're going to give our review of the Ant-Man uh, movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Uh, the movie just came out a couple days ago, but by the, time, by the time you all see this, it'll be a few weeks old. So this is going to be our our thoughts on the movie, if we liked it or not, and our thoughts as to, uh, you know, what happens with the comic books related to these movies and the future of the of the Marvel Universe uh, based on everything that happened in the show. So by the time you're watching this, you would have seen it. You had two weeks. So this is a spoiler-filled review. Yeah. And then we're going to get into a quick discussion here. Rohan has some updates or some thoughts on uh, coverless comics, right? Oh, yeah. I just had a cool little tidbit that I learned today. Uh, well, it's kind of been... So uh, the most recent episode that we dropped, obviously it'll be a few episodes back, but we did an um, interview with Jason from Omega Collects, and he talked about his pursuit of a Batman 1. And he was talking about how he'd even uh, get a coverless Batman 1. Uh, and then I was talking to Errol uh, yesterday, <clears throat> and you know he's who we had. He had the Superman 1, and he's now chasing a Action 1, uh, Action Comics 1 on Comic Link. That is a coverless um, uh book as well and it is really time to think about like how often uh we see coverless comics and i'm always like how is this who is just ripping off the cover why are they ripping off the cover i always wondered like how is this so common like i see it fairly often relative to what it is and so i was actually watching today this morning on my drive-in i was watching the the latest uh video from mike from lunch money comics and he you know did one of his things at some like flea marker somewhere he picked up a box and had a bunch of coverless books in it. And he started talking about coverless books. And he said, back in the day, I guess when you used to buy comic books, the ones you didn't sell, like if you're a shop or whatever, the ones you didn't sell, you could return to the distributor and they'd refund you the money for those comics. But I guess maybe, I think he said maybe shipping got too expensive or something like that. But what you could do is rip off the cover of the comic and then like show that like on a photo, I guess, to the distributor and then get your refund that way. Obviously then a bunch of people still took those coverless comics and sold them. So he he said it wasn't he wasn't one hundred percent sure about that, but he said that's where he got the thought that like that's why there are a lot of coverless comics because of that concept. So it's just kind of funny how like I think about something and all of a sudden it just like randomly pops up and I learn about it. So I thought it was a cool little fact to to share on the episode since we are a comic book podcast. Yeah, no, I watched that same podcast. I didn't finish it yet, but I saw yeah, that it's, he it's had toward, it's toward the end. But he had a cover of X Men One, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So he had that cover, but then he had a bunch of non-covers. And I've seen at flea markets for good money, coverless. Um, it was a Fantastic Four number 49. So the yeah. first Galactus. And they wanted $250 for that book, coverless, right? I, I think that's probably what a good price would be for that. So um, depending on your, if you're a collector and you want that first page because it's Wolverine on 181 or it's action comics. I think it can have some value and look neat in a slab, but you got it. Like I look at piles of old comics to find a gem. I'm not paying 250 yeah. for someone who already found it and put it in a, in a, you know, but that's what they're trying to do. They found the gem. They put it in a flea market or in an antique and looking to get some money for it. So, well, yeah. And now too, like you hear people talk often now, cause you can buy a page from, action one or a page from batman one and it, they'll sell for a few thousand dollars and so there's this people have been talking about more so like are 
are there people actually shredding up some of these grail books that are in poor grade condition and then selling the individual pages, which I understand from a profiteering standpoint, but like, I got that is a travesty. I don't care what condition, if you have a Batman one, you don't tear it apart. Well, they're making, there are some cards that are being made that have pieces from. Yeah, I actually do. Those cards are cool. They're called, I can, I, I've, seen a bunch a lot of like, money. I, I've seen a bunch of Spider-Man ones and those are pretty yeah. rad. Now, if a book is already like shredded up and you happen to come across a page here and there, and then you cut the page up, that I get, and I'm fine with that. But like, if you have a complete book and you tear it up because it's a low grade book, thinking you're gonna make more money, I mean, you still may make you may make more money. I just think that's a travesty. Like that'd be a shame. Yeah. Like, I would take any of those books, Batman one, A of fifteen, right? You know, if you found it and it's a fucking point five, still better than than not having it. Yeah, you can always get like a loot crate or a facsimile, put that cover over top of the original and send it in. I, th I think you can and get it, get it graded and it'll say that, you know. I think, I think when you do, cause I looked at the um, coverless one that uh, Errol is bidding on and it gets a not grade. Like I think because, MG. yeah, I think because essentially the majority of your grade is the front and back cover. Right. And if you don't have the front and back cover, all they can grade is page quality. And they, they may say like, off white to white or whatever it is but otherwise they don't give it a grade hmm. um so it depends on the front the one, page yeah i guess maybe that's true but the one he was looking at had a facsimile cover and it was definitely an ng yeah but would you that's a question would you want to get that graded and slabbed i think it'll look cool but what's the difference of just buying a loot crate or a facsimile and getting that graded because i mean if i know. was personally if i was to buy a coverless grail um i just keep it coverless like because usually like and maybe just slab it coverless and have yeah, it might be better than yeah that's what i'm saying somewhere. slab it coverless because like oftentimes like the splash page could be cool yeah right or whatever it is on the page could be pretty cool in itself and it's like still the book um and at least i could see like the original material whereas if i had a facsimile cover on yeah. it i wouldn't see the original kind of thing like so yeah no, i agree yeah it's it's a different type i, I don't like them if they're gonna take a good book rip it apart but a low grade or you find a couple pages here and there and then but in order for somebody like tops or whoever's making these cards to make a good amount of them they gotta they yeah. can't they didn't just find one page and made a whole card out of it they yeah they did it on purpose so they're ripping apart a book most likely so yeah the cards are cool but man that's a travesty yeah i mean if i find them like i, I there was a trunk at this antique store north of me that had a bunch of coverless books and i and i found a spider-man one 120 so that's the spider-man versus hulk and i oh, found yeah. dracula number three and i found pieces of the cover not enough to make a full cover but you know at least i had the story in there right but you know i got them for a dollar a piece and what are they worth i don't know so i'm yeah. looking for like amazing fantasy 15 or you know action one or something is could be in that pile you never know so you never know never, never know until you look the more you look that's the more right. likely you'll find too that's right yeah. Anyways, let's uh let's talk so about speaking of small 3. things, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good, boy, good good transition. Uh why don't we start just why don't you just give me your overall general critique before we get into the details? Okay, so I did a review on this on the Absolute Geek podcast Friday, so that would be two weeks old by the time we're seeing this. And I think I gave it an eight out of ten. And I, I'm gonna scale that back to a seven because there's only so many Marvel movies that are eight, nine, and tens out of 10. But this was a good 
fun movie to watch and it had great implications for the MCU moving forward. So that's why I liked it. I left Thor Love and Thunder disappointed for many reasons. I didn't leave the theater <clears throat> for this movie at all disappointed. I actually enjoyed it. So, yeah, I thought that too. I just thought in general, it was a very fun movie. Uh, first and foremost, just like I enjoyed my time in the theater. Not once did I think like, man, how much time has gone by? And I was just like enjoying every bit of it. Um, I too kind of was in the same boat. Like I was like, I give this eight out of 10. But then when you kind of think about it, okay, we have to rate this against all MCU movies, you know, 10 out of 10 would be like your end game and such. And so it's like, with that in mind, I kind of bump it back down to a seven out of 10, which I think is great. Mostly what I loved about it <clears throat> was that phase four gave us so much blah that like it never really moved the MCU forward in really any capacity, like Thor Love and Thunder, for example, like what did that do for anything else? Like, I mean, a Gaius gave us a post-credit scene of Hercules, but like, other than that, like nothing changed status quo, still status quo. And so we're still kind of in limbo. And now finally we got some movement forward. We've been hearing about Kang and Kang was awesome. I mean, like, I don't think, I don't think I've read one review where people were like, let's all be clear here. Jonathan majors stole the show um that guy's that dude is straight up talented man and like for a character like kang and you think about like all the variations of kang that he's going to be playing like he seems like they really hit it out of the park with um their selection of him to do that yeah no i thought he did a great job yeah with it and, and thinking back to multiverse of madness <clears throat> that one really helped did help move the needle at the end credit scene but the movie itself was fun to watch and see that scene with all the Illuminati, but given they all died, it didn't really help move that part of it forward until the end of the movie. And then you saw them go into the, the you know, um, go into a vortex or something, I guess, go into another universe. <clears throat> so this movie was a funny Ant-Man movie, a great introduction of a villain who will be around for a while and moving the needle forward, but more on the lines of the villain itself. Yeah. And then the post credit scene, like, the Ant-Man movie itself, if they, they could have put any villain in there, it still it wouldn't have been as good of a movie, obviously, but they could have had a villain in the multiver in the quantum realm. Yeah. Just some monster it, of some kind. And then brought the Kang piece in at the end. And it would have been just like Multiverse of Madness, a fun movie and no real implications until the post credit scenes. But yeah, seeing I mean, how Kang is is pretty cool. For, I agree, right? Like when I think about like phase four. The three best movies, I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home was excellent, right? It was so good. However, all it really did was kind of introduce us to the multiverse, right? It didn't really do anything else in terms of the greater picture. Multiverse of Madness uh, was fun. I wouldn't say it's as good as like No Way Home, um, but it, that kind of further like gave us an idea of like what the multiverse is, what its capabilities are. And, and then, you know, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I also liked, but when I look back at it, like I just watched it because it, it re is now on Disney plus and it's still a good movie, but it's just like, when you think about it, like it really was more about memorializing Chadwick and, you know, and it did a great job of that. And like, it did introduce Namor to us, but it really, again, didn't really push the needle forward. You know, it would have maybe if we got like a Dr. Doom hint, like a lot of people mm -hmm. had theorized, but it didn't do that. Um, whereas like, this is like, we know Kang was coming. I also too was 
wasn't 100 sure going into this movie like i know modok was going to be involved and they kept saying modok is a villain as well and king was a villain i was originally under the impression that it was going to be modok as the main villain and then maybe he like worked for king but you really wouldn't see much king in this movie and then at the end you'd get some big kind of king implications and then that would push off versus this was fully a kang movie and modok was kind of more of just like a comic relief to kang yeah he looked uh, terrible yeah i mean when it comes to modok my honest opinions were just like honestly i don't really care because modok is not like a character i cared about like uh like i i, I don't know much about modok um he's kind of a kooky character to begin with like i heard some people say Oh, you know, in the comic books, you know, especially because the MODOK stands for machine only designed only for killing, something like that. Mm -hmm. And some people are like, you know, in the comics, MODOK is, you know, completely homicidal and blah, 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 blah. So they kind of took that and then made it more of a comedic character. And I was just like, I just don't care about MODOK. So as long as he didn't ruin the movie, it wasn't going to be something that was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they messed up MODOK. Well, like, knowing who MODOK was and how he's supposed to look, they, they nailed the look from the comics. Okay. Yeah. But whenever he would open up the mask and you'd see his face, they just made his face look really stretched. Yeah. And I thought they could have just made his face look normal but big in that yeah. mask. And I would have been, like, okay with that. But they really, like, messed up his – and, again, maybe that happened because the got sucked into the quantum realm, hence why his appendages were all small. Um, but <clears throat> overall – I, I, I did laugh when Ant-Man was like, oh, I just noticed your little legs. <laughs> yeah, he – Paul Rudd's good in just about anything he's in, and, and he – that was Modoc was the comic relief. Paul Rudd did a good job of uh, being that overall relief in the movie. I uh, uh, but... I, I did have a quick laugh. So uh, in a few weeks, we're gonna have an interview with Phil from One True Last Nerd King. Him and Rage Theo have a uh, a podcast that they just started, and on Saturday they did a lot. They do them like live, um, and they talked about um, Ant Man and that you know they did the you know their review of Ant Man. And I can't remember it was they had a couple other guests on the show like Comic Con was actually on this episode. I can't remember who said this, but they were like. Big surprise of them all. Modoc was actually played by Kevin Hart. <laughs> and I, I thought that was so funny. As we, I just, that just made me laugh really good. Uh, <laughs> and I was just thinking of like Kevin Hart as Modoc was really making me laugh. That would have been funny actually to yeah. do that way. I just saw a picture of, uh, I think it was Shaquille O'Neal, Yao Ming, and Kevin Hart. Oh, and I yeah. swear they superimposed. Nice. They yeah. superimposed Kevin Hart because he didn't look right in the picture, even though he is, it was probably size, it was probably spot on size wise, but yeah. it didn't look right. So I will tell you, as a uh, quick aside, if you ever want to watch something funny, so as we've discussed in my, in our origin episode, like I own a, you know, CrossFit style gym, just Google on YouTube, Kevin Hart does CrossFit and it's him and oh no, Kevin Hart and Conan O'Brien do CrossFit. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. It, it is so <laughs> funny. Yeah, those two um, guys together. Yeah, I mean Kevin Hart's—he's built, so he looks like he works out. Conan Bryan, no, <laughs> no, Dude, and that's why it's so funny, like to see Conan. Like Conan is not an—but Conan is also a very tall, big yeah, he's guy, huge. especially compared to Kevin Hart. So like to see them too, it's so good. Like trust me, look it up—it's so funny. That's hilarious. Uh, I'll, I'll look at that one up. Anyways, back to to Ant Man. Uh, what are the thoughts? So uh, you predicted the Micronauts, and I learned afterwards, and I texted you about this that the characters in the quantum realm are the micronauts however went down hasbro owns the actual ip of the micronauts and hence marvel cannot use the term micronauts in the movie and hence why they were called 
quantum beans or quantum maniacs or whatever they call them. They probably could have used the term micro nuts for <laughs> but they couldn't use micronauts. So I didn't realize that again. I didn't buy the book. I bought the book when I saw it and I didn't spend a ton for it, but who knows if it'll, it doesn't look like anybody from the quantum realm is going to make it out to be anything no. substantial. So, no. and I'm okay with that. No, aside, I'm not. From I, your, I got... aside from your future fortunes. I know. Jesus, everything is falling apart with that stuff. Yeah, like, Lo first expect. Lobo and now the Micronauts. It's all Lobo's it's still all... Lobo's coming. I'm telling you, yeah. it's coming. But Booster no, Gold, it, baby. That one's he's coming too, and we are, that one's for sure. And I think that's going to catch on pretty good. Lobo, we'll see how that one turns out, but he's yeah. definitely Lobo's coming. I'd almost bet the farm. I almost bet this Micronauts that Lobo's coming. Yeah, I will so. say. Um, I just don't think like this, if you, before the movie, we, you and I talked about like critics were pretty much slamming the movie and I listened to some reviews and I just like the things that they talked about of why they slammed it. I just like, honestly, I just, I didn't really care. Cause I'm like, this isn't Shawshank Redemption. Like I don't need all these like character. Like, I don't know. I just thought it was a fun movie. And so like, that's all I cared about. Like I enjoyed it. It gave me a good jump off and taste for what's to come. And that's why I liked it. Yeah, no, I, I I didn't like how Modoc looked, which we just talked about. I didn't like the fact that, you know, Janet was okay with Ant-Man going into the quantum realm to get that quantum energy to fix Ghost. Or she fixed Ghost, and then they went back to get more quantum energy, and that's how he got stuck. And I think the difference of where he was and where she was was there was a vort. A, a vortex and then there's the quantum realm itself so there's different parts of the quantum realm yeah. and that's where paul rudd was stuck in and that's why when he came out he aged differently and that's how for him it was only five minutes like from what i gather from yeah. what i recall right yeah but yeah, for yeah. janet it was 30 years yeah and she you know ended up dating bill murray in those 30 years and i guess kang too so she was she didn't wait she didn't wait for uh hank to come back yeah you know she she wasted no time there but she had, you know, the 30 years in there with all that stuff that happened. And she mentioned none of that in the end of Ant-Man 2. And when she, you know, when when they, you know, sort of when she was back in it at the end of Ant-Man 2. And then all of a sudden she was like, I can't tell you this. I can't tell you this. And kept being so secretive. Just tell them. Like, yeah. get Especially, it out. I would say when, when they were like flying in that like kind of spaceship thing and there she was like, they were like tell us and she's like i can't right now i don't we have to do and it's like no you're all flying together this is the perfect time to tell them while you're flying like you have time right. to um so I, <clears throat> the other i heard one other criticism that i did think was valid and now and i will say though even though i think it's valid in the end it didn't still it didn't take away from the movie for me and it was drew from como comic books he he also has a podcast and he did his review and he said the visual like scenery was legitimately like stolen from star wars and i was like huh and then like i thought about it and then he started going into it and i was like oh because he was like that scene when they're all at the bar in the quantum realm and like bill murray's there he's like that's the bar in tantooine and i was like yeah, yeah that's pretty Most good honestly, yeah. that's right uh and then he's like and he's like and then you see kang's army assembling and coming out and he's like that's the clone armies that you see in star wars all like coming yeah, into yeah. formation and i was like Oh yeah, that's a good point too. And then he's like, and then that final battle scene where they called in everyone from the quantum realm to attack Chronopolis. He's like, that was like the battle Ewoks. scene at the no, not the Ewoks, the battle scene in episode nine 
uh, where they remember they like called out everyone in the universe to come to what was it called Exegol to attack oh, yeah. the emperor. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right too. So I was like, okay, that is a valid criticism. Again, though, in the end, like I, it was like whatever. It was still a fun movie, so I'm all I am fine with that. No, no, and I I enjoyed this movie than I did episode you know nine of Star Wars. So. Oh yeah, hundred percent on that, no doubt. So, but I did see that. I heard some talk about this movie being similar to Tron, uh, the Tron Legacy, some of the backgrounds and whatnot. I mean, they could have it. It it seemed like everybody that, and I've heard this on a few other you know casts as well, but everything everybody that they needed to know. Was all in the same town as big as this quantum realm was supposed to be everybody yeah, yeah. knew who janet was so that that part of it was kind of like all right this is, must be the subset of that or there, there's a movie where there's i can't remember the name of it maybe you will but essentially a guy gets trapped in time or something but he can't ever leave where he's at it just he basically the distance keeps getting further from where he goes he could keep walking and never get anywhere so he's like where he is is where he is he can't get any further so this is, I wonder if that's what quantum realm is. You can't go much further than that particular bubble. And then there's another bubble. Who, who knows? This movie could blow your mind. If you went stoned or on any type of what, you know, uh, medications, you could blow your mind because you could go way far into this movie and the implications. And, you know, I've heard people have different opinions of what will happen with the Kangs and it could, it just, it could spin your mind. Yeah. I was just real quick, since you talked about like uh, how everyone that, needed to be there was in the same town like i felt that very same way when i first watched the mandalorian show on disney like i don't know if you remember the opening episode but he's literally like mandalorians are a lost race of people we can't we're trying to find it and then he like walks down the block it's like oh here's the mandalorian hideout this is amazing and it's just like are you kidding me like we're that oh. lazy come on good point um, yeah. anyways back to the movie uh what do you think of the post-credit scene, um, specifically the one with the, the various Kangs? All right, so I, I didn't I knew who two of them were. I figured out who the third one is after doing some research and watching to a couple reviews myself. So it was Immortus, Ramatut, and Scarlet. Those were the two, yeah, yeah, those were the two obvious ones. And Scarlet, then Centurion. Scarlet Centurion. Yeah, and I thought I it was. Not, go ahead. I was gonna say I did not like the way they did Immortus with that the voice the raspy voice i don't know if i could listen to him for a whole movie with a raspy voice because it's just my own pet peeve that bothers me yeah um, i was gonna say i i like um i thought using just using them was like a real treat for like long time comic book fans because like, you think about like all the people that watch um mcu movies like there's so many people that watch it now that have no idea of the history or of the comic books that they're based on and things like that and so like Ramata and Immortus like came out in the Silver Age. Um, and it's like you have to be a fan of comic books to know that those two variants are a thing, let alone any of the other variants. Right. And so like I feel like that's something that like an MCU movie could to potentially like not use because like, well, we gotta play to our general, bigger general audience. So I thought that was a real cool like kind of like, oh, it's like, hey, this is Immortus, this is Ramata, and like you hardcore comic book fans are gonna know who this is. Yeah, that's why the third one was harder to figure out. Yeah, Scarlet Centurion. I didn't know who that one was. And he's supposed to be red from when I looked at the pictures of him. So why yeah. they made him more silver is beyond me. And I wonder if it's Nathaniel Richards, because he's supposed to be the the first Kang that came back. Well, no, they're um, all Nathaniel Richards. Right? right, but he was he came back. He's the one from the 
from 3000 years in the future, the year 3000, he found time travel and came back. Yeah. And then, and another one came back to be Rama Tut and all. I mean, you can go all kind of different places. Like Kang could, could always be the villain in every movie going well, forward. Well, yeah. And like, um, again, we keep bringing up other, another, another, did you watch the emergency awesome breakdown? Do you watch him at all? Mm-mm. So he's a guy I like it. He does all things kind of nerd related. So there's Marvel, there's Game of Thrones, there's um, all the various fantasy things like that. If they have media content in terms of movies or shows, um, he does like breakdowns and trailer breakdowns, things like that. So on his, and he does a very thorough job. Um, and on this, he was explaining like, like he went through like how, where Ramatut came from, where Immortus came from. And then he even went through Scarlet Centurion. And then he even pointed out a couple other Kings in the crowd. And like, I mean, yeah, it's like they use variants in the comics of Kang all the way up through modern comic books. Like, and so like, you know, like you said, like Kang could essentially be a villain in every movie. And so it was also cool to think like, I knew the movie Avengers five, I guess it will be, will be Kang dynasty. And I just thought that name was just because Kang was going to be the main villain. And now I think when you see that like in post credit end scene, you now see that um, the dynasty is actually that they're going to be fighting all the Kangs. Well, um, and okay, I didn't so realize that. Avengers 267 is the first appearance of the Council of Kangs. Yeah. Okay, so I had that's a book I had. I think I got traded it recently, but that's what with like Kang on the cover like this or something, right? Yep. And then there's another that run from 267 to 270 has a lot of Kang implications that I think will be used uh-huh. in this storyline somehow. But that Council Kangs, everybody in that arena, you know, there's really three Kangs that are supposed to run everything. Probably four, because if you look back to Loki and you saw three statues, and one was knocked down. Right. Wasn't so he the? Three, is it the Kang that's in this movie, the fourth? Right. So you have correct. Yeah, and so the other three exiled him, and so yeah, he would have been the fourth. Right. So he was the fourth, but so so my thought is somebody said that it was the Kang, the Conqueror from this movie, is also he who remains. I know. I think he who remains is another variant. So he who but remains. What they're saying is that it will just come around full circle because he who remains is the one trying to form, firm up the timeline. And yes. the other Kangs are the ones running the multiverse. Yeah. So why they put him in a quantum realm was because if they kill him, they'll know he'll come back around and become he who remains. This is a, a thought. So they had to exile him so he doesn't get in their way while they run the multiverse. The other oh, three Kangs. Okay. So a couple thoughts here is one, now that they said he's dead. Do you think he's dead? I don't think he's dead, but yeah, I, so I wonder if they mean he who remains is dead. And I think whenever he who remains died, that's where their post-credit scene starts because that's when the timeline started to branch off. Uh-huh. Right. And I think the Kang in this movie from Quantumanium is going to be the Beyonder because he went beyond the quantum realm. Right. And when he comes out, he'll be the Beyonder part of the Secret Wars. Yeah. I've heard so, that definitely like the Beyonder is a version of King. I've heard that. Um, but even before the movie, I don't think out, he, it I, was in the comics that way, was it? I no, don't no, I think the Beyonder is a completely separate entity. Right. But I think I remember reading, like, on one of those rumor feeds that you have on Instagram that was like, Kang will be a version that is the Beyonder for then the Secret right, Wars. Right. You can make him anybody, which is the cool and the shitty part about Kang is that 
you can go and retcon anybody to say like to retcon Ramatut to be Kang, to retcon yeah. Immortus. It's like just have separate characters in it. You can go way down a rabbit hole with Kang. That's the yeah. That's the difficult part. So that's that's my thought is that whenever Loki killed or what's her name, the girl from Loki. Oh, um, Sylvie, Sylvie, Sylvia, Sylvie. When she killed him, I think it branched everything off, and that's what brought those three Kangs out. Because uh-huh. they they don't want anything to do with the TVA. They want to use the timelines, and they to that now that he's dead, they can do what they want, and they might have banished the other one. And at the same time, he got banished to the quantum realm, met with Janet, and then he got shoved back into the beyond verse verse. We'll call it. And he'll come back out and probably secret wars is my thought. So you'll see this council of Kangs in that Kang dynasty, those, those three and a bunch more. But I, I believe the big reveal would be the beyonder being this Kang from this movie. Guys, JP's got going deep on this stuff, man. He's about to, write a Nothing. doctoral dissertation on this. <laughs> so that's, that's my, Hey, I had my prediction about the micronauts that went down the hill, yeah. down the toilet there. So uh, this one will probably go the same way as that prediction. I, I mean, a- yeah, my, neither of my predictions were right. Right. I, Paul Rudd didn't die and uh, we didn't get Nobody any fantastic did. <laughs> four um, hints or fantastic four cameos or anything like that. I will say something that maybe I thought about was, so in the upcoming Fantastic Four movie, everyone expects it's not going to be Doctor Doom as the main villain of the Fantastic Four movie. Doctor Doom will be a bigger villain on a larger scope. Uh, and part of that reason is like the two failed Fantastic Four movies, like they did Doctor Doom, so they want to do something different. So then it, the rumor came out that Annihilus was the planned villain um, for the Fantastic Four movie. So what I was wondering is like, you know, because Annihilus comes from the negative zone. And, like, to me, it just seems like we already have the quantum realm. They probably don't want to confuse people then with the negative zone. I wouldn't be surprised if they, like, just combined the two and, like, the negative zone is the quantum zone or quantum realm in the MCU. And if Annihilus is, like, one of those characters, one of those quantum beings that after um, Kang was defeated and then Ant-Man and, and Wasp and all them left, you know, Annihilus then is one of those characters that did raised himself to power and you know oh, yeah. you know you know what I mean like it's not like they're gonna install democracy in the quantum realm I'm assuming right I'm assuming like oh, someone's good. gonna be like take power by force because there's an opportunity because Kang the Conqueror is gone and I imagine that and I predict so I was thinking that would be then Annihilus right um, I also heard Galactus for the Fantastic Four movie but we'll we'll see that it's I think that'd be a you could do the nihilist from the negative zone. Yeah. Combined. I mean, I obviously would love uh, Galactus as well. Um, I think like a lot of people talk about like Galactus would be another great overarching villain like Th- Thanos. And I actually think Galactus was better off as a one solo movie where they do the trilogy story, the FF 48, 49, 50 as a movie or, you know, a couple movies. And then from there, I think Galactus is better used as like, someone that makes cameos in other movies because you know they're in search of some ancient knowledge or cosmic power and they have to go to galactus to get this versus like him having a slew of a phase i guess or a saga in the mcu on it yeah i can't really think of a storyline that involved galactus that was overarching yeah you know, the, the secret wars they did that twice two different versions of it so they're gonna you know speaking on 
this particular phase, you know, Secret Wars is going to be the main Avengers level movie and the Kang Dynasty that will tie into whatever Secret Wars comes about. So you think through Beyonder and Doom, which I was hoping both of them would show up. Now, what did Galactus, was he part of any big storyline? So, you know, it's hard to think that far out, but what's the next storyline after Secret Wars, right? So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, think, I mean, I think he's definitely has some roles in some um, some of the new modern stuff, but I don't read modern, so I couldn't. Uh, yeah, I couldn't that. tell you on the modern stuff. I just, I knew Secret Wars and Infinity, Infinity Wars, and those are the two they did. And that's, it's kind of like shoot, you know, take your best shot first. Yeah. And worry about the rest down the road. So Infinity Gauntlet was such a big storyline when we collected. At least that's how I remember it. They did yeah. it first. Secret Wars was more of a more of a play on the toys from 84. Yeah. They wanted to build toys out of them. But the 2015 storyline was was way more involved and way of a cooler story. And so we'll see how they mold or, or merge those two. But I think the overall, obviously, incursions that are brought in, timelines i mean that's that's all so you've up. read the 2015 secret wars again i don't re i don't read books from <laughs> i want to read it i have the i have uh you looked the at the pictures <laughs> i look at the pictures i have the trade paperback of the original secret wars and i have all the issues of the recent secret wars and i was going to read them one of these days i need to. i, I should just probably. look them up digitally and read those because that i would be because i don't know anything about the 2015 secret wars it, it's all incursions it's way of a, a heavy storyline and I hear, I mean, I hear like Doom is like a central character in that. So, I mean, that brings in Doom. So the, the first Secret Wars was the Beyonder, and you never really saw him. You just saw his voice in the original. What is yeah, it? he didn't make his actual, like, I remember his first appearance is in the Secret Wars 2 storylines. Yeah. So all you do is see him. Secret <laughs> Wars 1 is the first appearance of him, but it's a cameo. Yeah. And the first mention of him. And he's the bad guy throughout the whole thing. And you get, it was really a way to play to make money from Marvel, right? They tried to find two two words yeah. that, you know, would help sell books, secret and wars, and then they made toys out of them and and brought all the characters together and they fought each other and really what happened, nothing really had any consequences from what I recall. Now, someone might tell me different, well, except so it's, for the symbiotes. It's, it's funny since you say that. So over the weekend after I watched the movie, um, one of my other brothers who I talk MCU with, he like texted me, he's like, man, it made me watch... Um, I totally forgot that. And Spider-Man, the animated show in the last season, season five, they did three episodes of secret wars. He's like, man, I look, I watched them. He's like, they're really good still. And I was like, Oh, I should, I, you know, I had some time to kill them. They're like 20 minute episodes. So like you can watch all three in about an hour. And so I did. And like, it was great. I mean, like uh, it's a little bit of a twist on the, the comic book secret wars. Uh, but like, it was enjoyable to watch. So if you want to check that out and you have Disney plus, I, you know, you should check that yeah. out. It's like season five. I don't know. I can't remember the episode number. If you look at the titles, though, you'll see it says Secret Wars on it, though. It's like towards the end of the season. Um, so, yeah, no, it it was a I mean, it's a it's a historic it's iconic of a of a storyline. But the implications yeah. besides the black suit were the only thing that came out of that, from what I recall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was just going to say in the in the animated series, Spider-Man animated series at the end, after the battle was the Secret War was over, the Beyonders like, OK, now you all get to go back and you're all going to have no recollection of what happened right, right. so that kind of goes into what we were what we were just saying yeah uh, and, and again it's it, it was a fun little series a, a way to sell toys the 2015 one's way deeper and again i don't read modern books and i don't read older books either but the, the 
the 2015 one, I think, had more of an effect on the storylines going yeah. forward. And uh, yeah, and, and everyone, everyone that talks says that they they predict the 2015 will have a more yeah because there was no incursion impact. talk in yeah. the original one. So with yeah. incursions and multiverse, this was just every the original one from '84 was everyone got sucked to a battle world to fight good versus evil for the Beyonders yeah. enjoyment. Yeah, and then he went away, and then he came back in Secret Wars two. It looked like Elvis or something <laughs> with his hair and the white the white uh that's uh, that's what he looks like uh in the spider-man animated show he doesn't have yeah, white hair but it's black hair but it's like uh, yeah, boy it's, he has a white suit on or something like 70s he has like a metallic style. 70s he looks like uh like he'd be like robert plant from led zeppelin on stage yeah something. or he's on saturday night fever or something like yeah. that he, it was quite the look so yeah. i mean we'll see i don't i doubt that version's coming in doom was the beyonder there was the the beyonders in the 2015 run and then doom became god emperor doom for whatever multiverse was left or whatever universe was left because in the beginning of the books the last two universes collide yeah. and like the fantastic four is trying to trying to save i think sue storm dies in the beginning somebody big dies in the beginning because he couldn't get to her right away almost reminds me of um star trek when spock went back to vulcan when the planet was blowing up i don't watch star trek so you're on your own here okay so when when I forget which number it was, but Star Trek, the the um, the one that J.J. Abrams did, and it was also had Chris Hemsworth in it in the beginning. So anyway, so somebody's destroying it's. I forget what the race is because I'm not a Star Trek fan. I watch them, but I'm not a huge fan. So one of the, not the Vulcans, but the other alien race is trying to kill the Vulcans, and it's not the. Uh, Jesus Christ, forget about it. I was gonna say so the anyway, Kree, but that's Marvel. No, yeah. It's not the uh, man. There's the the people have their own language and people speak all the time. Uh, forget the name of it, but anyway. So Spock's mother is he's going back to save his mother, and he goes to grab her right, and they're teleporting them back to the ship as the planet's imploding, and he has her, and then she slips, and he gets teleported away before he can grab hold of her. So just that gut wrenching, you know, uh. that he almost had her, and this beginning of Secret Wars has. It's drawn, so it doesn't have the same effect that the emotions would be in the movie. But I think it's Reed Richards trying to get Sue Storm or somebody big name. I got to read it again, but like she's taken away just like that. The universe implodes and he's pulled away. And it's like it could be really big of a story and really like Tony Stark dying at the end, like having a, a you know big emotional movie. So I think yeah. that'd be I think that'd be the route to go. You know, I what I just thought of. Um... So I just kind of gave you that spiel on like Annihilus and how maybe he's the one that takes over after King is gone. But I just actually just thinking. So they, the, the, what they've come out and said, at least I'm pretty sure it's been confirmed that the Fantastic Four movie is not going to be an origin movie. So we don't need to think about that, but it is going to take place in the sixties. And I don't know if that means that there's going to be Fantastic Four that goes back in time to the sixties or just the movie starts in the sixties. I don't know, but maybe because Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man, that's kind of, you know, he was younger then. So maybe, you know, back in the day before Scott Lang, he was messing around in the quantum realm and then Annihilus came out. Because maybe he was like the person of the top dog in the, in the quantum realm before Kang and all these other characters, let's just say. And then he's now unleashed on the world in the 60s and then the Fantastic Four have to defeat him. Maybe, that, maybe that's where Annihilus comes in. So that's kind of another yeah. thought. I, I 
kind of thought they were going to make the movie based in the 60s and then have them like go something happens and they go into the future right so yeah that, and that's so that's what i'm saying maybe like the movie itself and their battle versus annihilist takes place in the 60s right? okay right and then maybe somewhere down the line in the mcu you know like with secret wars for instance like they're like they're gonna pull all these characters and maybe they're like and i also gonna pull the fantastic four from this time and that's how they become forward and everyone's now on the same timeline maybe that's good could be. I'm kind of curious how they're going to pull all that together because that's yeah. No one's talked about. You, you had some mutant talk now in She-Hulk and some other places. Yeah. So you can, but where were they? Were where were they? You know. Yeah, and I mean that's why they also talk about like uh, Deadpool three is going to be apparently like a major, major implication MCU movie where it sets everything up for the big movies. Is from what is what I'm that's, reading. So, and I have honestly, I have no idea how they're going to do this Deadpool three movie. I know Wolverine's in it. Now it comes out that Ian McKellen is going to reprise his role as Magneto. That probably means Patrick Stewart's going to reprise yep. his role as Xavier. Um, and so it's just like, I really have no idea where this Deadpool three movie is going to go. Yeah. I, I can't see any, any real um, Deadpool movie supposed to be a fun ride, right? Yeah. Like an Ant-Man movie. And neither of those, any of those movies didn't have any implications except for enjoyment. And so to make Deadpool such a uh, monumental, not monumental, but a big bridge into the future of the MCU, yeah. interesting touch. Was it on actually, um, was it on Absolute Geek that you guys talked about how maybe it'll be like Wolverine and Deadpool are like, after they kind of battle for a little bit, they become like Bill and Ted and they kind of go through the history of MCU. That's movies. what somebody said. Yeah, that, that is honestly like that. kind of a funny concept. Because I heard it'd be like a buddy cop movie, yeah. like Riggs and Murtaugh. And then I heard that it would be Bill and Ted's where they're going all through time. But Deadpool did it at, did that at the end of Deadpool 2. And it was fun how he, you know, they're going to kill Hitler. He killed himself for being the Green Lantern and killed that Weapon X that was in the Wolverine Origins back in the early 2000s. Yeah. So that was a more fun fly through the through the time stream I there. I forgot about that part. Yeah, but it, it's not... Um, I don't see that, in it, but I guess they're going to make it more of a serious note to go, you know, make implications. So um, I'm thinking that back to the Fantastic Four, they're going to be propelled forward to come into the timeline so they can explain why they haven't been talked about. Because even if Hank Pym, you that and it, that they glossed over that too, Tony Stark, his dad knew Captain America, but there was no talk of Tony Stark knowing Captain America until they met each other in Avengers, right? No, no, he, dad, he he knew of Captain America. Never by talked then, about Because by then, Captain America was frozen, right? And so he had heard of Captain America, but he didn't actually meet him until he was on. Until Avengers. But there was no back talk of, oh, my dad, when he met yeah. Captain America. No talk of my dad made your shield for you or whatever else. No, I there remember. was in, in Civil War. Correct, but it wasn't in Avengers, right? So they didn't, they didn't retcon to that beginning. Yeah. So where was Hank Pym? Never talked about knowing Tony Stark and all working together at that plan, yeah. that plant, the military plant. So let's say the Fantastic Four was there also. Yeah. And they were there, but let's just make them a bunch of um, uh, Air Force pilots that somehow got shot into the wrong dimension. But nobody knows they did. They kind of their plane looked like it blew up. So, yeah, I mean, it's always tragic when that happens on a on a, you know, to air to pilots or to any uh, soldiers and whatnot but you really don't know their names because it's sort of covered up. So if they 
perished or they thought they perished on some project. That's why Hank Pym wouldn't bring him up, them up, nor would Tony Stark or Tony Stark's dad. So they would have been unknown. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, Ben Grimm is a pilot, right? Like he's the one that flies the spaceship in, in, in the comic. He's the one that flies out in the space when the cosmic rays affect him. So you could make some play like, like you said, if what you said happened, that accident sent them wherever and that gave them their powers. And so now they can be pulled in. And then that also makes sense then if they get taken from the past, pulled forward, then they obviously missed like the whole Thanos and the blip and all that. Right. And, you know, so I mean, and yeah, and there's they're tying this together in ways that we haven't seen yet. And it is, I thought it was, it would be super fun to me, I should say. It would be super fun to like be in the room as like the roadmap is being. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like be one of these architects of like, okay, let's flesh out the ideas for the next 10 years whatever like that would be a fun gig to just oh, be like yeah. okay we go here then we can do this and we you know that would be awesome and that's what i'm that this has got to be all mapped mapped out the first go around in phase one was not mapped out yeah and hence why there was some loose ends as to why captain america didn't mention or tony stark didn't mention knowing of him from his dad until civil war so you know, now you can sort of, you got to retcon and try to fit those other pieces back in yeah. without messing it up or just go straight off to like multiverse. The Fox universe gets brought in and that's why the Fantastic Force here, which yeah. I think would be a lame way to do it. I think it's cooler to try to find an opening in an older timeline to bring I them agree. in that way. And to just you say, know, oh, here they came in. Here I, they you know, it, it's funny that you, um, you brought that up, how the MCU wasn't as planned out at the beginning. I actually totally forgot about that. Um, and then I listened to a podcast with Geekable, who's another guy actually we're going to have in a couple of weeks. And they talked about, they were talking about the DCU, DC news. And they were talking about how after the gun announcement, James Gunn has said that the current DC you know, new universe, the next eight to 10 years is more planned out than when Marvel started. And I was, I didn't, you know, have to go through, but they talked about how I've totally forgot. Kevin Feige wasn't the man at the beginning. It was that Avi a rad or whatever his name is and hmm. it wasn't as put together but like they obviously did such a good job once they tied it all together with uh, the infinity saga that you, you just forgot about that but he was totally right like it was a uh, avi a rad i can't remember where kevin feige came in and got re it got installed in place of him because there was some I mean, drama who knows oh. um but that i was like oh yeah i totally forgot about all that i think he was on x-men or did some of those movies for X-Men when, when Fox did them. As, I think he was part of those movies. I'll have to go back and watch. Feige was? Feige was. Oh, okay. But then you always see Louis D'Esposito and Feige were always the names I saw on early Marvel movies going, this is the same guys over and over again, over and over again. So because I was used to Fox and Sony just taking these names and doing their own thing with it, whereas yeah. this became consistent by um, Civil, you know, Captain America. Yeah. So, you know, they... They may have started with Iron Man to see where it goes, and they I, was there was an end credit scene on Iron Man. Whenever um, Iron Man, it was um, wasn't it General Ross coming to Iron Man and be like, "I'm thinking about putting together a team." It was Samuel Jackson. Oh, was that okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, oh yeah, because then in in Hulk, Iron Man in the post credit scene comes to Thunderbolt Ross and says, "Like, we're putting together a team. We need that guy on our team, or something like that." Yeah. So they. They even had it planned, something planned out, some facet of it, 
Yeah. And and whatever you you can make it so broad with Samuel L. Jackson coming in, it could have been the Avengers team and just having an Avengers movie, right? It didn't yeah. have to be Thanos level. Yeah. So or Infinity Gauntlet level. So again, you can start to put a little bit of many times how many movies have you watched where you see in, options for second and third movies and they never go that route because the movie just didn't make enough money to to push that forward. Yeah. So Iron Man did, and they were able to keep going and said, all right, well, now that we laid a couple of little, little breadcrumbs, we can take it and, and actually make something out of this. Whereas they have so many ways they can go now. Um, but you kind of, when you do 33 movies, they go find an opening to retcon some stuff back in. Maybe difficult, but I think that's the cooler mark than just saying, oh, look, the multiverse brought everybody yeah. in. Like saying your favorite character died, but oh, it was a dream. Oh, yeah. that's an easy way to make that, you know, that whole movie, that whole TV series, that whole last episode was a was a dream. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah. All that drama and it was a dream, right? So let's not make this a dream. Let's make this, let's make this, uh, let's make it all fit as good as we can. So, yeah, no, I think pulling them forward, I think that all works. So, like, I'm interested right. to see. And Fantastic Four is the movie that I'm most excited for coming up. Um, what is yeah. interesting, though, uh, I'll say this. So I think, like, so we have this movie's now. Guardians of the Galaxy is in May, so that's not too far away. And that's a movie that I think is going to be awesome as well. I'm really looking forward to that. But then did you see they then pushed the Marvels movie all the way back to November? And I'll be honest, like, am I super excited about the Marvels movie? Not as much, at least yet, until maybe some stuff comes out that gets me excited. So it's like after Guardians, I feel like, man, I feel like we got a long way to go for another movie to get excited about. Yeah, I, I agree. The only other movie, it's a DC movie, is The Flash. I'm excited. Well, yeah, I, yeah, and I definitely wanted to talk so, about that before we end the end too. This, this, this will be, this will have at least three good movies. So you already had Ant Man. You're gonna have um, Flash, and then Guardians will all be pretty good this year, and then won't be much, I don't think, in the in the winter. Well, there's time. also if we're if we're going outside the MCU, the um, Across the Spider Verse, I think has because the end of the yeah, Spider Verse yeah. was great. So there's plenty plenty to watch, but I think by the end of the year, there won't be as much on the docket. Yeah. At that point, the Marvels aren't something I'm looking forward to, but. One of the things I talked about on the podcast from Friday from a couple of days ago when we reviewed is that, you know, there's a few little problems with Ant-Man. The MODOK thing bothered me. Um, some minor things here and there, but overall fun movie. Exactly. But, yeah. It's not perfect. It's not the best MCU movie. The little things that bother me are irrelevant for what I was looking for in this movie. But think about, so Ant-Man was able to defeat Doom. Or excuse or me. Kang. Kang. And he's supposed to be the person, right? Unless it's the beyond or unless it's doom, unless it's Galactus. We don't know, right? We're speculating here or, or having thoughts. We don't like to use the word speculation. But if Ant-Man can beat Kang, my thought is, is that, okay, he's not powerful enough. But you're going to need some powerful beings because whatever's coming down the pipe is going to be pretty, pretty intense. But also so you're going to be fighting thousands of Kangs, not just okay, the one. So King. you are. But you need powerful beings. You can't have a bunch of uh, Hawkeyes yeah. or Daredevils. Uh, She-Hulk, like I said, she's not beaten much of anything, in my opinion, that in the in the way she was in her TV show. Now she may grow. So you need the Fantastic Four. You probably need Silver Surfer. You need Captain Marvel, right? You're not going to have Ms. Marvel. You're going to need Captain Marvel or Photon. You're going to need Adam Warlock from Guardians. You're going to need Nova. So all these next couple movies better bring in some bigger names to be beating up 
these bigger villains coming down the pipe because most of the people out there are street level and only one of them, Spider-Man, through the symbiote, is able to fight universally, we'll call it, or, or in the in the multiverse. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see, like, I could see there being multiple... So, like, through the first three phases, right, it was kind of one road, right? It all led through to the Infinity Saga. I could see them, especially, like, you know, whether or not you like it or not, like, Disney bought Marvel, not with the extent to, like, come to a finishing point right disney has plans to make marvel movies because they are all doing super well for the most part they all do super well they're going to be making marvel movies for the next several decades potentially right like it's not like they didn't they didn't stop making missing mickey mouse content they didn't stop making right. all these disney products right they're not going to stop making star wars movies right they're going to keep because it makes money for them right so i think as it continues to go down the line they have to create different road maps or not road maps but different paths um and so like when i think of like how does daredevil tie into like secret wars and kang dynasty i don't think he does like right. i think Maybe there's gonna be a whole like street level side of the mcu and that's gonna be your daredevil you know and there's and, and maybe like spider-man is a character that can kind of play between both of those right like spider is gonna be in secret wars but he's also gonna be in daredevil right he's the character that kind of bridges the gap and often you know one of the characters that can bridge the gap between the two but I think, like, you're exactly right. Like, I mean, Daredevil is not going to do anything to Kang, right? Right. But Daredevil can fight Kingpin, and I'm going to yeah. like that. And there you and... got the street-level people. And, and, like, DC, the James Gunn universe is going to have the, what they call it? They have the, the I'm going to call it the DGU, the, 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 the um, you know, the gun universe, right? So yeah. the DCGU, excuse me. And then there's going to be the, what do you call it? The the uh, extended universe or the oh, Elseworlds? Elseworlds, which you can tell stories like the Batman, the Penguin, no, the, joke. the Joker. Oh, yeah, the joke. yeah, yeah. That has no bearing on the, whatever the storyline that the universe he's creating. So you can do the same thing with Marvel and do your street level people that have no bearing. And again, you could do universal or, or cosmic characters that have no bearing. But you got to start establishing, at least in my opinion, some these bigger characters to fight Kang. Yes. Fight I agree. someone as big as Kang, because I'm fine to watch Daredevil fight Kingpin. That would be a draw for me in a movie, let alone a TV series. I would be, I would watch Kingpin fight Punisher and Punisher fight Spider-Man. Like all that can be great movies or series on Disney plus. But what we're building towards now is like, you got to yeah. start bringing some people in my opinion, because you know, that's like I said. So you have your street level path that like we talked about. There's gonna be Daredevil. There's gonna be Punisher, Spider-Man. Jump in there. You got Kingpin, Bullseye, Elektra, like those characters, right? You can even if they want to bring back Luke Cage and Iron Fist and try and re redo those characters, right? Then we've got our main storyline, which is the King thing. And I think like with Guardians coming up, <clears throat> it's been very well put out there that this is the last iteration of this Guardians team. I don't think that means that necessarily this is the last Guardians movie because. There is a comic run where Adam Warlock becomes the leader of the next or an iteration of the Guardians. So I could see the next team of the Guardians being Adam Warlock, Nova, because they've already talked about the Nova Corps, right? And then they could obviously then tie that in with Silver Surfer, cosmic stuff, and that, you know, Dark these Hawk. people can fight. <laughs> yes, Darkhawk. Um, and then that, you know, goes down this Kang path, Secret Wars pathway. And then I think like there's also a potential for a third pathway, which is where they had the werewolf by night. And so you have kind of the darker monster kind of thing. You get a mm. 
Werewolf by Night. You can have Ghost Rider. Um, you can have Man Thing and all of these various Legion of Monsters type side. Because like I said, like they're going to keep making content for a while. It can't always flow together. They're going to have to branch out. And I just think these are kind of various pathways they can do that. Yeah, and I, I think tying it all together, it's, I find it that it was a monumental task to get all those movies to align to the end and bring them all back. To do that twice is possible, but to be the overarching goal of every of the Marvel Cinematic Universe probably yeah. is probably isn't correct. And you're probably right that. And I um, think too, like if they're going to keep doing this for decades, it makes more sense to have separation, right? Because if we have to think of every movie in terms of the greater landscape of the MCU, there's going to be constant disappointment, right? So we have to have separate branch ways that are like, okay, no, this is its own thing. And they're going on, they're doing this at the street level. Is there well, you're going to have to change people's ideas to, to realize that they don't, they don't all connect. Yeah. Cause I mean, every- you think about it, right? Like there's going to be new fans coming to the MCU every year, right? Kids get older. They start watching these movies, you know, new kids are born and they get older. They start At some point you've got to create a universe where I don't have to watch the 62 previous movies to know what's going on in this movie. Right. You've got to establish new storylines. Well, that, that's what Stan Lee always wanted to do is that when you have to read previous storylines to know. That's why they always had little notes in all the books that I did used to read as a kid to tell me what the hell most of that stuff meant. Yeah. Right. Because Dan Lee didn't want you to have to go back and buy all the he, – I'm sure he did, but he didn't want you to feel lost by picking up that first book. Because everybody plays your first book. You can't necessarily do that in the movies though. But but you can have those quick little, like, um, an Ant Man when Janet like she looks back to when Kang showed up, right? You can do a quick little epilogue with that, and and bring in a flashback to Scott. Oh, that's how that came about, and not have to do a whole origin story. No, I get it, but like think about like fifteen twenty years from now when they're still making Marvel movies. Oh yeah, right. They're not going to be like. So you remember when there was the blip? This is how so and so <laughs> wasn't mentioned in the blip. Like they're going to have to have. It's yeah. going to have to, the, the garden is going to need to grow, right? There's going to be some way to, to re, um, reestablish the universe in a different way yeah. at some point. It's not going to be completely going connected forward. And and again, they really didn't have interactions until Secret Wars anyway in comics, a few exactly. here and there. Um, and then they went back on their separate ways and people read. Yeah, like in the 90s about- when you and I grew up reading comics, it was like the X-Men were over here doing things. Avengers were over there doing things and the Fantastic Four was over here and they had interplay issues, of course, and those were awesome. But like they oftentimes were just kind of doing their, you know, different things, saving the universe every time. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I, I this movie to go back to Ant-Man gave me a lot of hope for what that may look like in yeah. the future. Like we're just talking about uh, Thor Love and Thunder did not multiverse did. So I'm happy to ha- I was happy. I enjoyed this movie for that part of it. And looking forward to what's coming back and then you can as we say what were they going to do in the future and speculate talk about that but really let's en- you gotta enjoy the moment too right where you're where you're going on this ride because they may not make any marvel movies after this these movies might bomb and you know just like the 2000s that i mean they still made movies but it didn't move comics it didn't it wasn't pop culture as much as it is now so yeah i think thankful that we're not looked at as too big a nerds because we watch this stuff and millions of people do every every time a movie comes out for now yeah. and, and and it could go anywhere or crash and to be happy with what we're getting to see now and 
I think it'll be a completely different world after Secret Wars. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I've heard a lot of people, especially leading up to this, we were like, oh, I have Marvel fatigue. And I think that's probably because of Phase 4 and, and its kind of content that it had. <clears throat> but I mean, it's like, I'm 100% down to watch Marvel movies for the rest of my life. I'm not going to lie. Like, as long as they're great and fun, I don't care. Like, I'll keep watching Spider-Man. I'll keep watching the X-Men. I'll keep watching Fitness 4. I'll keep watching the Avengers, right? I mean, hell, comic books have been around since the 50s, right? They're still going, making new stories and things like that. Like, I don't have any issue with this being any different. No. And, I mean, there's so much content that, again, I didn't watch Game of Thrones. This is unrelated to this universe until the pandemic. And that was out in 2011. Yeah, maybe. I can't remember. but Maybe before. But, yeah. They finished in 2018. So, I watched it three years later. I just finished the first first two seasons of Daredevil. I just finished the first season of, of Titans. You know, so like because it's available and we stream these and oh, and we, you know, have a subscription, go back and watch them. Yeah. Right. T- Titans is really cool. I, I've been watching that. It's a it's you know, the, the CGI is nowhere near as good as what it is now. But that was a, a series. Right. That's where that Marvel lacks CGI work in their Disney Plus shows because the budgets, whereas the movies don't. So you gotta take it for what it is. Oh, I you know, actually, that, that brings up a good point. As you said, the Marvel shows. At the second post credit scene, even though oh yeah, it was like again, my biggest complaint with the shows is they just never matter in the grand scheme of things, and they never it, to me it's like they never in, like go all in like okay we're gonna do the show we're gonna have to mean something it's like always just some like tertiary characters with some tertiary villains and at the end of the day it doesn't matter you don't need to watch that episode. like you don't need to watch Moon Knight to know what's going on in this movie it doesn't matter right but the one show I did like was Loki and this movie tied in with Loki at the very end with that post credit scene. So I was like, you know, finally we had some congruence with a show and a movie and the greater universe. And it, you know, upcoming Loki season two will have Kang in it. So I think that's kind of cool. And this was Mobius. His, oh, his yeah, first, first Mobius, appearance. right? Yeah. So, and he played so well by, um, well, from, uh, was it, Owen, Owen, Owen Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Oh, no. I always forget. The, yeah. Owen Wilson and his brother's Luke. But that that second that Victor Timely is the name of the guy that he's playing in that. And that has some, you know, goes back to another Kang story and how that will work into who that will be. So that's that was both post credit scenes really helped out the, the Loki and the future of MCU because yeah. Loki will be part of it. Deadpool will be part of it. So. It's got me excited for Loki when that does come out to see how that plays because yeah. I don't know which Kang is going to be the main baddie. I have an idea, like I mentioned earlier, um, but we'll see. But they got a lot of options and they're setting the groundwork for um, yeah. go any which way. But um, the, that Loki is way different on because t- it has much more implications on the Secret Wars. Whereas uh, I guess I guess uh, Wanda Vision did too, but the rest of them, yeah, the rest of them were irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, um, real quick to, before we uh, close out, do you have any thoughts on that Flash trailer? Or did I cut you off? You were going to say something? No, I'm good. Any thoughts flash on the Flash trailer. trailer? I'm excited for it. Um, um, I said this earlier that this is going to be how they were, they're going to use Flashpoint to reset it and start the universe over again. And I said this, I don't know how long ago. So I'm not taking credit for it, but this is looking like how they're going to reset the DC EU to be the DCGU, and I think that's a cool, uh, that's going to be a way cool story. 
I hope to hell that Aquaman has no bearing and that this sort of that just Aquaman folds into Flash somehow and ends Aquaman and Jason Momoa's Aquaman. I just because I never liked those shows. I don't know why the hell Aquaman made a billion dollars. To me, it was a oh, I didn't it was a good movie, but not that big of a movie. But this Flash looks like it could do really well. And it's going to it's going to be a great way to sort of cut and start over in a fun way. Yeah, it definitely, looks, it, it definitely looks fun. And uh, I've also heard that, like, in a potential post-credit scene that they'll... So I guess, like, people really love... I never watched the Flash TV show, <clears throat> but the actor is Grant Gustafson, I think his name mm-hmm. is. And I've heard a rumor about, like, how they made a post-credit scene to introduce him as the new ongoing Flash because they're obviously going to dump Ezra Miller because he's a train wreck of a human. Um, and that's the thing, like, what's interesting is like it puts Warner Brothers in an interesting position because let's just say Flash comes out and it's a huge hit, right? And it's like it's gonna be right, yeah, it very well might like, especially because with Michael Keaton as Batman. But like, I've heard so many people come out and say, like, okay, I'm gonna watch this movie, but if they, if James Gunn chooses to continue on with Ezra Miller, I don't care how good anything is, I'm out, like, that's how like reviled this human is. Um, so I've heard that they've made, um, again, who knows if it's true, but like that Grant Gustafson will be, I heard that a while ago, whenever Ezra was having troubles, I said, when they were talking about refilming or reshooting the movie and then taking, bringing Grant in and redoing it, but they were too far along to do that. And I said, well, just, just make him the next flash, like have this flash die and do the multiverse or something like they've hinted about before, because I had heard that there was going to be a couple Batmans in it. And I'm like, okay, great. You can just go with that storyline. And it looks like they're going to, I, the grand thing would be really cool moving forward if they're going to use him, but you need James Gunn to give that. Okay. Yeah. Or if they might just kill off the flash and find somebody else down the road. Right. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But I think this is going to end the old universe and begin the new one. And that's what I'm excited about of, of how they put that together. Cause I think it's, and again, it maybe it disappoints in a sense, but I think it. It I don't. I didn't think Thor: Love and Thunder would disappoint. It did. Yeah. So I I hope this one doesn't, because there are some way cool things they could do with who I see is on in the movie and who could be in it and how they could reset things. So. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. But again, my question is: is Shazam sits by itself because he who didn't cares? have any eyes. I didn't even watch right. his damn one. It's, it was fun. It was fun to watch, but they had Superman in it and just his head, just his body. So you could say it was any any Superman they have going forward, right? Yeah. So it didn't tie in. Aquaman kind of did. So after this Flash movie, Shazam is going to come out and it's not going to, or it comes out before, but it's not going to have a huge bearing because they were never connected. Aquaman is. So how do you have this Flashpoint and end or begin a new universe and have the Aquaman show up in four months? I don't know when is when is when is Flash when does Flash come out? Flash comes out in in the summer, Shazam's in March, and then Aquaman's the end of the year. Okay. So it would have been better if Aquaman came out now. Flash was the end of the year, and then you could reset. Yeah. And yeah. James Gunn, like I want Lobo, you know, and Jason Momoa. I don't know how you're gonna do that. I'm just curious. Well, I mean, people talk about that there's gonna be an Aquaman three with Jason Momoa. Yeah. So yeah, and, I, and James Gunn said we're not going to have anyone play both characters. Yeah, so your Lobo hopes, man. They're being dashed, but I'm, that's what I'm saying. This this Aquaman movie 
doesn't make sense with what I think the Flash movie is going to happen. So, yeah. But we shall see. We shall see. Well, I always enjoy reviewing nerdy movies because that's the only kind of movie to watch. Yeah. Except if you anyone out there wants to see the movie Auto with Tom Hanks, that was a good movie. I would recommend that. Auto. Go with your significant Auto, the man named Auto. Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's nothing like Ant Man. Yeah. But if you're if you have a significant other that likes to watch movies like that, it's worth your time. You All can right. get some brownie points by taking him or her to that movie okay. and enjoying it. So, other than that, there's only other one movie type to watch, and that's superhero movies. So. There you go. So, all right, all right, y'all. We will see you on the next recording. We'll be interviewing who we who we have on the Manu from the nine point nine newsstand. I'm really looking forward to this. He's a great guy. Uh, he's got a really cool feed. Uh, so if you haven't checked out the nine point nine newsstand, check him out. Um, and we'll obviously talk about more about his feed uh, in the upcoming episode. But check it out. He's got some great content um, yep. on Instagram. That is great interviews coming up. Nine point nine first and nine point nine. We got the Geekable podcast guy and then we got a guy that talked to us about the dcu universe yeah we got a lot of good stuff we got phil from one true last nerd king um yeah awesome interviews coming up so stay tuned yeah comment if you like that let us know what you thought about ant-man yep definitely all right y'all have a good rest of your day peace out peace